It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama, and you're listening to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Colt Carmody, Ryan Gilbert, two dogs, and a partridge in a pear tree right here in the GPC studios at the holiday season. A somber mood today across the college football world as we have lost Mike Leach. Just just awful. I mean, a massive heart attack takes him at age 61. And uh, people are certainly going to miss the pirate. He was one of a kind. There will never be one like him because... May I say that I don't think any AD would have the balls to hire Mike Leach for his first head coaching job in the era of Twitter. But, oh, man. So I'm guessing, and this is just a guess, that Bill Snyder did know um, that Mike had passed last night and uh, got it out there too quickly before the family wanted it out. It's unfortunate. Um because I think Coach was right. Um, because from what I had told, had been told, he was basically on life support since arriving at the hospital, awaiting his family to get there. Um, just, just unbelievable. Life is short, folks. Go, go do something. But um, as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, I guess this is something. This is doing something with your life. But anyhow, what a what a dude. Um, I did a daily delivery, a special one on him. And I had it to it in about four or five takes because um, I had problems getting it to the right length and, you know, being concise and clear. But my favorite story is, and I don't have a ton of them, is when he did the Big 12 teleconference call from a drive through <laughs> And we had to pause our questions while he ordered food. Where was he at? I don't even remember. <laughs> it was just so funny. I heard it on tape because... Um, I Riley, I think Riley was on that call. Maybe Riley Gates. Maybe that was before Riley. Riley <laughs> he was. He hasn't been at Texas Tech since. Oh yeah, I was in high school. Who was it on that call? Oh well, uh, but yeah, <laughs> Damn, but maybe Rob. I was on that call. Maybe that's how I know it. It's just so long ago. Was it not Rob? I don't know if Rob did those. Anyhow, uh, just one of a kind. Hold I saw, on. Let I, me order my burger. I saw a tweet that had Max Olson from The Athletic said um, his favorite story of Mike Leach was he said that he loved to drink Tito's and sweet tea because it was so bad that it would limit him and he could only have one. That's why he loved to drink it. It's kind of like his take on coffee. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like don't put anything in the coffee because – you're not doing it for the taste. I never was into the whole press conference stuff that he did. And some of it was very entertaining. Don't get me wrong. But that, I don't know, maybe it's my elitist, don't waste my time. I only get you for this amount of time in a week and I got stuff to ask. But his spontaneous stuff when he was asked on sidelines or what, just unbelievable. Just The guy's brain worked in a totally different way, but. Usually what he said when he stopped and thought about it is, hey, that's exactly right. Coffee does suck. Just got to get it, drink it. You don't want to make it taste better. You just want to get it done. He seems like the guy that would appreciate Bill Snyder announcing his death that's because exactly right. he probably mm-hmm. thinks that Bill Snyder's trustworthy and everyone would believe him. So and that is like, yep, I'm really dead. Yep. <laughs> if you haven't had a chance to read um, – uh, a piece from Steve Robertson, who is the publisher at the Mississippi State 24-7 site. He wrote a amazing column my, titled My Friend the Pirate. 
Um, I'll be honest, I teared up reading that. Steve is one of a kind in our industry. He really is. He's, he looks like a biker. Mm -hmm. He's he's really something else, but he's a brilliant writer. Um, yeah, it's a very sad day and, and it's a very news filled week with what's going on with Chris Beard. Um, Eli Doinkowitz, I'm sorry, Drinkowitz doing drink wits, doing what he did. Did I say doink? I didn't mean to call him doink. Um, I apologize to anyone who's a Missouri fan listening to this. I meant to call him a douche. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will also say, if you are on Wabash Station, there is a nickname that goes around from our good friend Wagcat that is a little bit meaner than mm. Doinkwitz. So yeah. it's just, uh, yeah. I, I, I just kind of I. He's 61, guys. I'm 58. You know, that's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable that that can happen. Well, let's move on. Uh, we're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Please stop into the fridge whenever you're in town. The folks at the fridge are terrific. And if you haven't seen the Elf videos on social media from my buddy Mike over there, they're absolutely brilliant. Mike, you're an adorable elf. Is that like the beer fairy? The beer fairy was brilliant. I'm the beer fairy. They, Shout out to the fridge. Was there on Saturday? Yeah. Helped celebrate my friend's graduation with a congratulatory cigar. Oh, yeah. Right so, there at the fridge. You yep. can get that. I always forget to mention that. Yep. They do have a humidor, which has nothing to do with comedy, by the way. It feels like a humidor should be where you you put all the fresh comedy. But um not that joke in particular, but <laughs> the good ones. Let's move on to your questions from Wild Bass Station. If you're new around here, welcome to these parts. They're kind of scary and weird. Mostly me on the weird part, but this is how it works. Everyone gets to listen to the podcast, but only our subscribers over at GoPowerCat.com get to ask the questions on our message board, Wild Bass Station. And if you're not a subscriber right now, Zach, how long is this special going on? Is it going on for a while? I'm so confused. I, we got 50% off, not just 50% off 24-7 Sports and Go Cat, 50% off the combination of 24-7 Sports and Paramount Plus. Essentially, it's like 75% off because they're both roughly $100 a year and you're getting it for 50 bucks. So it's like 200 bucks value for 50 bucks. Can't beat it. And if you are a monthly subscriber at Go Cat and are not getting Paramount Plus for whatever reason, I think you get it if you're full price monthly, but you can upgrade to this and keep Paramount Plus or get Paramount Plus and be on the annual plan for much cheaper. So take care of that. Take care of going to the fridge. Take care of asking us questions. We're going to try to crank out two podcasts today. I have no idea what the second one's going to be about, but this one is your questions. Cole, talk. The first question of the podcast comes from Wildcat Pilot 88. Assuming a healthy Adrian Martinez and Will Howard, how would you use two quarterbacks for the bowl game? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think we saw a little glimpse of it with how KU did it um, with their two quarterbacks. I I personally, I'm, I'm really conflicted about this, and I'm sure Chris Kleiman is too. Uh, there's no doubt that Will Howard needs to be taking the snaps. Do you design some stuff with Adrian in the backfield at receiver, you know, basically run some wildcat with him? I, I think you can get something out of it that isn't just all gimmick. Actually, by putting him out there, maybe splitting Will Howard wide. I don't know. I'm not the coach, man. I don't, I, I'm not sure how to do this. But the the non-football side of me that wants to win at all costs would love for Adrian Martinez to take the first snap to be the starting quarterback of record in this bowl game. That seems like something Chris Kleiman would do, come out and just design something for Adrian, maybe not just on the first play, but a whole sequence, um, and hope it works. But if it doesn't work, there's going to be some pissed off people. So um, I, I, I know Chris Kleiman will find a way to get him something meaningful out of this game. The fact that he put him out there for taking the flip at the Big 12 championship game and most notably the overtime, I think puts in perspective how coach will try to handle this. Taysom Hill. That's exactly yeah. how I think that he should be used in this game. If you go, if you go and you watch the Saints games, which ironically enough, um, <laughs> K-State will be playing in the same stadium that Taysom Hill calls home. But, I mean, he, he has plays where he literally is just a decoy. I mean, think about the kind of pressure it puts on the offense when, oh, crap, it's second and one. 
K-State's running out Adrian Martinez. He lines up in the shotgun, and he just hands it off to Deuce. Right? I mean, you can you can do that. There's nothing that says you can't do that. I, I think that you can't just because you put him in the game doesn't mean you necessarily have to use him. I think that there will be an element of oh crap, there's a different quarterback. Even if Adrian doesn't present the same level of uh, gimmicky gimmickness as Taysom Hill would present, I think it'd be an interesting way to get him involved in the game just simply as a decoy. I don't think that you necessarily have to have both quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Let it also be known that I think the gap between Adrian and Will maybe isn't as large as the gap between Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels, if that makes sense, at least health-wise, where they were um, at the game in Manhattan. I, don't, I, think, I think that they're a lot more similar, or I think that they're a lot closer in talent than they were at that point than Will Howard and Adrian will be at, at this moment when they get into the bowl game. Okay. Kills, you, you got any great plans over there? I mean, my problem with Martinez is you don't want things to get predictable because right. Howard's the better thrower. Martinez is clearly the better runner. Right. And so Martinez gets in there. If you're Alabama, you're thinking, okay, you know, QB run up the middle, pitch option, something like that. So that's my only concern. I would use him at running back. Might I would well. <laughs> I would set up a sequence of plays to use him at running back. Yeah. And out of that, he could throw. I mean, I think that's how yeah. you can use him effectively. Mm-hmm. We've seen Deuce lead block for him effectively. Why not just do that out of the backfield? Or really screw with them and let them both block for Will to run it. I mean, there's some things you can do and have some fun with it. But uh, I, I, there's one thing I know for sure. And Zach, you can you can agree with this if you oh disagree with it if you want to. Uh, Colin Klein's a lot smarter than I am. I would agree oh, with that. It. Sorry, I don't think you should be calling the plays. Do that. But, do that one thing. The thing that where the guy goes, coach. That's not. What are you talking about? Well, it is interesting how creative Colin's been. There's going to be some things that he lets loose in the bowl game because they're not going to be in the situation next year. This is a literally the one time for the rest of the next probably, what, two or three years at K-State unless they want to get Avery Johnson in that Adrian Martinez role that they'll be able to use the two quarterbacks in a game like this. You got nothing to lose. Adrian's meant the world to this team. He most certainly should play and will play a good majority of the snaps. And I think that he'll help the offense. I, I really believe that. I'll be completely honest. I hope the only way Adrian Martinez gets into the game is if K-State's up three scores <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I know. I know you might want that, but that, that's I probably know, not going to That's probably not going to happen. But I just think Will has had the hot hand. He's in the groove. He's been playing extremely well and at a high level when it matters the most. And I think that this is another one of those moments. And I think the thing I worry about the most is momentum. And, you know, if Will, you know, let's say Will goes out and he just doesn't get it done for three drives. Maybe you put Adrian in and try changing something. But I don't think that that's really an ideal situation. I think you start Will. I think you you play three drives. You play a quarter or two. And if, you know, if things are, you know, if you're up a touchdown or, you know, whatever, if it's close, I think you still got to just ride with Will and maybe you throw in a gadget play here or there with Adrian. But I think you really, really want to just ride with, with Will Howard for this game. I get that. I just, I question if momentum is a thing when you haven't played a game in a month. Like that, that, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Like I understand Will Howard's played really well and I agree, but I think even if you ask Will, hey, do you have ideas on how we can get Adrian involved in the game? He'll want Adrian involved in the game because those two have the relationship that they have. Um, so I don't worry about, I really don't worry about momentum either. Just because it, you haven't played in a month and it's a completely new environment. You're going up against a team you've never played before. It's going to be completely new. So I think both teams will have a feeling out process. But, I mean, I understand where you're coming from for sure. It's a sticky situation because, you know, Martinez is such a likable guy. <clears throat> And he came back to K-State for his extra season. And so, you you know, like morally, you want him to go in there and have a good game for his, his final send-off from college. But I'm with Zach because if K-State wants to win this game, they have a better chance to win with Howard. And I get, you know, it's been a month-long break since the last game, but it's been a month and a half, two months since the last time Martinez even played. So if Martinez, if, if Kleiman and Klein truly believe that Martinez gives K-State a better chance to win – having him on the field, that I'm all for it. But I don't want to see Martinez in there just as a reward for sticking around on this team, if that makes sense. I think you do. I, I think there's value in that to show that Coach Kleiman uh, appreciates what everyone contributes. And, you know, I, I, 
I'll absolutely be shocked if Chris Kleiman doesn't carve something out for Adrian in this game. It's as long as it helps him win, I'm okay with That's it. right. I mean, he's not yeah. going to do it just out of benefit. He's going to do it out of a game plan, but um, he will go out of his way to make sure that's part of the game plan. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, the next question comes from Bush and the Hog. The both of them? Is both? it from two people or just... I'm, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to exaggerate. I don't want to continue to explain the name or okay. username on this one. Uh, we might get it's, it's about, banned it's from about, Spotify. It's about uh, country barbecue, I think. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, who else in K-State sports history has improved as much as Will Howard has over the course of one year? I'm just going to say this, Zach. Thank you for putting this question in here. I did go through the thread and read these, and this was one that I wanted to have in here because this is Cheater. going to be a debate. Uh, who has? Who else in K-State sports history has improved as much as Will Howard has over the course of one year? Colin Klein. Yeah, that's pretty valuable. Yeah. I mean, Colin, when he came in his sophomore year against Texas and they ran the ball, they ran the ball not just because it worked, but they didn't want him throwing it. And he ended up being, <laughs> look, he was a non-traditional thrower. He kind of pushed the ball out there, but he did it with a great deal of accuracy uh, considering he had an atrocious throwing motion. But, um, yeah, it's a good point, but. He only played one game, though, so I don't know if that's a fair answer to this question. Is it like a, whole, a full season's I mean, work? From junior year to senior year, nothing really changed. I don't know that it's hard to find anyone in this kind of circumstances. I have one. Go. So this is, might Help. be an exaggeration, Okay. but I think you can make the comparison to a current K-State athlete, and I'm going to say this, and you guys are probably going to all disagree with me on this, but I have reasoning. I'm going to say that the answer actually by the end of this year's conference season in basketball could be Marquis Noel. Could be. Could be. Listen, here's the the deal. The seed was in my head for at least a little bit. Here's the deal. Last year, Marquis Noel was – Show he sh- he showed flashes, right? You could tell that there was something there. He just needed to be he just needed to be kind of reined in a little bit. The way I can describe it now that I watch Yellowstone, I feel like oh boy, um, he's kind of like a horse that just needed to be broken. And once he was broken, you know he's, okay. he can do what he wants to do, right? Thanks, Rip. Uh, yes, of course. So that's kind of how I see Marquise. I think if Marquise continues to have a successful season. Throughout conference play, he could end up on the first or second team all conference list if K State is successful this year, right? So he wasn't, he didn't have that potential. He didn't have that type of season last year, but he got a new coach, right? Tang came in and helped him. Uh, Colin Klein came in and helped Will Howard. I know he's not completely new, but kind of transformed the offense a little bit. So I think you can draw comparisons between the two, maybe. And quite honestly, I feel like there was a little bit more um, resentment towards Will by the fans than there was towards Marquise, but you want to know something funny. I think the art could be kind of on the same level. Big 12 media days this season. I interviewed a couple coaches about Tang and Yurik Malgi. You know who they were? One of them was Chris Beard. Hmm. And you know what he told me that he said, Marquise Noel, he voted him first team all big 12 last season. What? Yeah. Wow. So Marquise (laughs) might not have enough help this season if, Beard's not around. This wasn't his first choking incident. <laughs> Am I completely off base with my comparison? Uh, no, you're not. I'm Zach, trying to put Zach, this train back on the tracks. Uh, look, uh, I, I get what you're saying, but um, I don't think as a fan base, folks didn't want Marquise back. Uh, Will Howard became toxic to the mm-hmm. fan base because he had so many issues and just Part of it also was, I think, Coach Kleiman overpromised a little bit, and you know. But yeah, I get that's about as close as you're going to get. I think, I really do. I, I mean, I can't think of anyone out there that because this is miraculous. It's incredible. Unless it's you amazing. go freshman to sophomore year, Jacob Poland. Uh, but even then, I mean, he didn't really take flight till his junior year. Yep. His so. freshman year was better than his sophomore year. Yeah, I would say mm-hmm. when he had Mike and. Bill and all those guys. The yeah. opposite answer to this question would be Marcus Foster. That's true. Yeah. Goes from potential All-American to a mess. So I, I, I love this story about Will Howard. I really do. And I love how the fans are all owning it, saying, okay, we were completely wrong. We got this one wrong. And I, I'm going to say this because I, I've never seen somebody take the path that he has taken, right? We, we make a lot about how he stayed at K-State, but that is a kid who, when he would go out in Aggieville, like people would avoid, you know, they, they'd be like, hey, that's Will Howard. Like, oh God, yeah, that's Will Howard, you know? 
um, just because of how he performed on the field. Now it's the exact opposite. So he was like Gilbert. Yeah, pretty much. That's right. Actually, only the that's girls it. avoid me. Okay, yeah. that's, that's true. Males. The, the amount of people. Fellas, like your drink making. <laughs> the amount of people that want to take pictures with Will Howard now, it, it's just remarkable. Because, you know, I see these guys whenever we frequent. Are you I saying that know. Will needs an entourage? I'm saying that Will did not want to go out and needed an entourage, and now he needs an entourage to go out, if that makes sense. Hmm. Part of that's simply because they're winning. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. When you win. You're a celebrity. When you lose, people are going to obviously blame you. I know that's kind of the root of what you just yeah. said, but it needs a private yard, private room at yard bar. Just give him shot stop. Yeah, just <laughs> give him shot the whole bar. Just the Will Howard bar. Yep. That'd be a hell of an nil deal. That's actually kind of brilliant. Will Howard's. Yeah, look just, for for them to take one of their storefronts and actually turn it into an nil deal. Will Howard Lounge. Actually, I think that alcohol or bars are against the rules. You could make it a restaurant, probably. Mm, that's a fine line, isn't yeah. it? So you're only going to sponsor, have Taco Lucha during when the kitchen's open, be your sponsor. <laughs> and then when the magic of Ryan Gilbert takes over, no longer the Will Howard Taco Shop. It's like Michael Jordan's. Oh. There you go. You're calling me the Michael Jordan of bartending? That's exactly wow. what you sure. said. Thanks, yeah. Zach. Hey, by yep. the way, on a side note, tying this all together with how we started this podcast about life is short, and then you bring in up Yellowstone. Uh, Lloyd, the old cowboy, one of the storylines this season was he turned 58. And I'm like, oh, God, he's my age, and he looks like he's 70. He's only 58. Well, the character is. Oh, okay. He's, actually, let me look it up, see how old the actor is, because he's, an, he's a, a genuine former cowboy. Let me see here. What do we got here? Okay, go on with the next question. Okay, next question comes from I Like Pickles Cat. How would you categorize K-State's needs from the portal? Uh, I think receiver was number one, and you had that addressed. It was, keyword, yeah. Yeah, I think they probably need to go back in there again, but defensive tackle appears to be a need. Especially with the uncertainty around Uso. I, I don't think we ever got an update from him um, with that knee situation. But if that is a, like a, like a, a pretty serious knee injury, that could be, that could be something that you need to keep an eye on because he might not come back until what the fall. I mean, what is the typical timeline of an ACL injury? You, you, you magnify that a little bit with a guy who's 350 yeah. pounds. I mean, it's, it's, that, if that's you're not, not a good. skill guy, it's, yeah. you're not going to rehab it as quickly. So we saw that with Khalid Duke. I mean, he got hurt in the beginning of the year and didn't come back until basically the same time, 365 days later. So I worry about Uso um, if that's the case. And if that is the case, then defensive tackle automatically becomes priority number one. The fact that they've only offered one defensive tackle in the portal makes me think that they feel somewhat confident with Uso. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that defensive tackle and safety still um, need to be addressed. But, again, uh, this all depends upon who's coming back, right? I mean, we'll see. But, yeah, would you say defensive tackle the number one? With what's left, yeah. Yeah, linebackers got to be up there, too. The fact they're not, we're not seeing movement on the offensive line does make me curious. Mm-hmm. Either means that they really like some of the guys they got in the room that are young, or they're planning on some of these guys coming back. I'm not worried about linebacker, to be honest. I, I, I just see Austin Moore and Jake Clifton. I mean, those are two guys that can start next year. Then if you get a guy like Nick Allen back, yeah. you know, maybe it's more depth situation there. But They certainly need some depth. They have a lot of young guys at that position that I think can be successful, and that's not something we've been able to say about that position. Like Toby Osinsami, completely he redshirted this season. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how he develops because you look at his high school tape. I'm aware of that, but I go back to the press conference and Chris Kleiman said he's absolutely not ready to play linebacker, which told me he's not grasping the bigger concepts. He's a run around and tackle the other guys type of guy. Which is how Deuce was. That's how Deuce Green was. until At the start, yeah. yeah. That's the way Arthur Brown was. Mm -hmm. Just go get ball. And he did. What about cornerback? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we can agree they got some young guys that have proven themselves, but I mean, what you got out of Julius Brents, if you can find anyone close to that, that'd be really helpful. And at the running back position, I, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I'm confident with DJ. I am. But I, I worry that. Are you any more? 
Yeah, I just you can't have DJ and a bunch of young guys. No, you, you just can't. can't. I mean, you, you need to go find a, a junior that can come in and at least know what's going on from the start. Just like a Joe Irvin type, you right. know, like somebody like that who can spell. Because DJ can bring the thunder, you just got to find somebody to bring some lightning at that position. Ooh, I, he just made a nice little thing there. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. I, I don't. As crazy as it sounds, I felt like last year at this time we're talking. They need this from the portal. They need this from the portal. They need this from the portal. I don't feel like that's really the case this year. I just. I don't know. It's interesting. Very good. Next question comes from Cat in KC. Do the coaches ever comment about the recruiting environment we are in now? Having to recruit your own team, super seniors in the portal. What a nightmare. I know. I mean, you think about everything going on with not just guys transferring out, but guys wanting to come back for their COVID year and probably honestly have to tell some guys, no, we, you can play your COVID year, but it's not going to be here because we've got, we're running out of scholarships. I mean, that's the the balance of the 85 scholarship limit. It's, it's got to be horrendous. We need guys out of the portal. We need young guys in the program. We got these guys that want to come back. We got to stay at 85. Ugh, I, I don't know how they do it. And I feel like I have asked Kleiman about that in the past. Yeah, they've talked about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, who would have thought that, what is this going to be, the 2023 football season, you would have guys that you're still talking about COVID, you know, like we're still talking about this as using that extra year of eligibility. I mean, we talked about this in the press box act during the last home game, but a guy like Will Honus, who we haven't spoken of since August, it doesn't seem like, I don't know if he's coming back. I don't even know if he's been around. Was this, was it this supposed to be his COVID year? No, he still has one more year of eligibility. It would be his seventh year in college. So I, I have no idea, but it's true. That's right. I think that's right. So he's got a medical and the COVID. In a normal redshirt year. This would have been his normal redshirt year. Wow. So, I mean, it's possible. Again, it's just like you have I'm guys like three years old and playing linebacker. He would be 25. I am 12. He would oh be 25. So that's the type of stuff that you have to deal with. Now, I almost think at a school like KU – you would want some of those young, those older guys to come back. Yes, we want you to come back mm-hmm. and have that veteran experience. But here at K-State, I mean, unless it's a position of dire need, like I look at, talk about Malik, for example. Malik, we just, we're bringing in three receivers in this transfer class, or in this recruiting class, bringing in Keegan Johnson from Iowa. That's four guys. Like, if you want to come back, you know, we'd love to have you back, but we can't guarantee that. You're going to be the number one receiver like you were this year, right? And that's just not necessarily a conversation you want to have to have with a sixth-year no, senior. I agree. It would suck. It would just suck. I know. I I mean, as I did a daily delivery on this, I mean, the two most important recruits last year were Eli Huggins and Ty Zintner. I mean, they got him to come back, and where would this team be without those two dudes? So maybe there's some guys on this team that are that way. And maybe, honestly, there's some guys It's like, okay, well, you've had your time. Um, if you want to play, you're going to have to do it somewhere else. We've got to move on. I mean, it's, sometimes you just have to. Yep. And on that, on that note, the last question of the first half comes from Wildcat Tad 3. Who are the super seniors that you think stay? Any chance Barnes, I believe, we believe he meant to say Philip Brooks. Yeah, I think he meant to say Brooks. Jerome Yang called him out. He's like, Barnes? Like Alex Barnes? And oh, I would so gladly Jer- take Alex. Jerome Yang called Jerome him Yang out? You got called, called out by out. a guy that... Oh. Not called him out. Just was like, Barnes? Yeah, Bro- <laughs> Brooks... Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, I think would, he meant Brooks. I would gladly take Alex Barnes back on this team, by the way. I don't yeah. think he has years of eligibility. Couldn't we just say that he left early for a Mormon mission and bring him back? Yeah, he went He went back down to Pittsburgh. You don't think that works? Uh, I think he'd need to bring some receipts. Uh, he went back down. has been longer than two years. He went back down uh, to Pittsburgh and was checking out Chicken Annie's and Chicken Mary's. That's exactly what happened. Okay. Well, that's a good thing to do. Um, it th- says he, he speculated on some names. Would you like me go to ahead, Go ahead. He says, so Brooks... Uh, Malik Knowles, who we just mentioned, Cooper Beebe, Daniel Green, uh, Felix, Deuce Vaughn, and Julius Prince. Some of those guys aren't even seniors. Right. right. Some of those guys are going to probably declare early. I, I'm confident Felix is going to the draft. Yeah. We're still uncertain about Beebe and, and Vaughn. There's nothing official about either one of them. In fact, their families both say that they haven't made up their mind. So um, I think that both tackles might fall under that. Offensive tackles. I would. I think bringing 
KT Levison back for another year. I mean, the improvement he made from last year to this year. Say what you want to say about false starts. And, and <laughs> to the common fan, you only see the offensive line, especially the left tackle, when they screw up. Well, but he, he was, had a solid season. He was really good in some games. Oklahoma was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, in other games, he just wasn't as good. And, uh, you know, just that kind of inconsistency um, might lead to him coming back because maybe he won't be desirable to the NFL. And of all the positions on the field, for an offensive lineman that anyone in the NFL says, yeah, you're going to earn a spot on the roster, you go. You need to go. These linemen just don't last long. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask poor Taylor Portier. He's got both of his knees destroyed already. Um, and that eventually happens to almost every lineman. The knees go, the ankles go, the hips go, a shoulder goes because you you know get in bad position and some guy just basically rips your arm out of socket when you're trying to block him. Yeah. I mean, if you're healthy and the league thinks they might want you, go. You just need to. And it's easy to be selfish about these things, but I mean, Cooper Beebe, you need to go. You, you're ready. You're a potential first round pick, certainly a first day pick. You know, go, man. Get out of here. Unless they get, you know, information that we don't have as far as like from the NFL people that says maybe you'll slide down a little bit, you know. Now, if you're Cooper, I would understand that. No, if, and if there's someone, a, a big donor in the NIL world willing to offer some of these guys a million dollars to stay, I I don't know who that would be. But at the very least, get insurance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I can't imagine what the insurance is on the offensive lineman. Well, we're going to give you an insurance for a million dollars, and it's going to cost you $1.1 million. He, so some, some speculation that um, he said – uh, Julius Brents was somebody. I think Julius Brents is gone. Oh, he's gone. Especially because, I mean, you, I think we have to take into consideration guys who are graduating and guys who have graduated. So if they walked, you know, in May or like they will walk in May or they walked in December, I would think there's a better likelihood that those guys would go to the NFL as opposed to guys that say were redshirted that graduated last May. They're more likely to come back because you're working on a on, a, on an upper-level degree. So a guy that I'll use, for example, is Echo Boido. Um, first of all, his parents are, I believe, they're professors at KU. So, like, lots of high-level education in that family. Um, Echo also graduated last May in 22 with a degree I'm looking on here, degree in social studies. So is it their potential that he's working on a master's degree, that he's working on a, you know multiple master's degrees? Like, that is a guy, even take away the fact that he graduated in May, that's a guy I look at that has the speed to play at the next level, but maybe hasn't ever gotten an opportunity to be the number one cornerback as a guy that I could see coming back. So um, he's probably honestly my number one candidate. If I was to make a list without any inside knowledge, I would say Echo Boido would be the biggest. one. And he might be seen as too small for the NFL. Although K-State has actually produced guys that defy that logic. But yeah, I mean, if you're a borderline guy and you can get a master's or even start to work on a PhD, and play football, uh, I can imagine that you would do that. Mm-hmm. Be a sixth year in school, but I mean, again, if you're if you're working on that degree, I, I regret not having a sixth year in school. Me too. Seventh, I don't. A seventh. How many did you have there? Five. Four. four. You did it in four. Yeah. Switched Man, my those, majors and still got out in four. My God, those journalism degrees are hard to get. <laughs> you can say that. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's it for the first half of the podcast. Uh, we are not going anywhere. We're not declaring for the podcast draft. We're not declaring for uh, – do bars have drafts? Because I might declare for that. They have multiple drafts. Oh. They do have a lot of drafts. That's a good way to end this segment. That was just brilliant. Cole's in charge from now on. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe. The leaders in K-State sports coverage will be right back with more of the PowerCat podcast. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.
This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I'm informed that Cole did most of the talking in the first half. I'm, I'm, I think I'm just a little bit uh, uh, pensive today with, in light of everything going on. A little pensive. And there goes Cole or Coke looking it up. Engaged in involving or reflecting deep or serious thought. There we go. Nailed it. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, and Cole Carmody. Right here in the GPC studios, it's a question from Wabash Station. We're sponsored by The Fridge, as I mentioned. Zach, did I get everything in in the early part? Uh, subscribe to our YouTube site. Subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to Go Powercat. Subscribe to my newsletter, uh, Shirtless Photos by Fitz. It's really catching on. Did you know you're actually supposed to do that in the beginning when people are listening? Okay, let's move on to the questions from Wabash Station. <laughs> That was my Zach impression, by the way. Uh, first question of the second half comes from CW Power Cat. Have your opinions or expectations changed at all on the men's basketball team from the beginning of the season to now? That's a good question. Brian? No. Yeah. It's been on par, I would say. I, I don't know um, that we really can capture much judgment from this team so far because the competition's been so bad. I mean... They lost to one of the better teams they played, and even Butler, according to NCAA net ratings, would be towards the bottom of the Big 12. Ironically, Butler's below Kansas State in the net ratings, which I can't figure out. But um, it's just hard to say. I, I, I feel like Nebraska is going to be a better way to judge because they have Power 5 talent. I, I still can't get over the fact that, you know, we watched Cal play. They were not very good. K-State kind of had to rally back and get them and beat them, and they're 0-11. Yeah, they're winless. They've lost to some really bad programs. Cal just does not care about sports. It's awful. It was felt like that was kind of a game where if they would have won that game, they probably do win some more yep. games. But it's like, oh, well, we can't beat K-State. Who can we beat? And then when nobody comes to your games, you just kind of don't really care. Yeah, I don't know. I'm with you, Ryan. Like, I think the game against Nebraska is going to show us some things, right? If they come out and win, win, they win that game. I mean, that that is on par with I think your preseason, Ryan's preseason expectations. Anyway, like, I mean, they're projected NCAA tournament team right now. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. kind of where we thought they'd be, right? I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but I just remember you saying, like, yeah, that's bubble the ceiling. team. Like, yeah, right. I, I also seed. recall you saying national championship and they'd win the NBA. Yeah, both. Yeah. They beat Nebraska. You're probably going to move off that first four-in line. Um, I don't – if you lose to Nebraska, you'll probably drop off of it because they're a team that's not that good, but they're not that bad, right? Nebraska is mean, very respectable, my opinion. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're totally different than they have been the last few the years. The record is not as good as who they are, if that makes sense. It beat Creighton, who's a top. So you're saying they have a lot of single-digit losses? I I think it's very familiar to what they have to do with on the gridiron. Hmm. <laughs> I would say mine have changed. And I get that when you look at the schedule, it was expected that K-State should run through this non-conference schedule very easily. But now that we've seen the pieces together for a month and a half now, it kind of makes a lot more sense. It's easier to see and say, yeah, maybe this team can be an NCAA tournament team. I I certainly didn't expect that at the beginning of the year. I still probably wouldn't put them in the tournament at this point, especially based on, you know, the lower level of competition. But the Big 12 is going to be fun this year. And I think that K-State, as in years past, you know, maybe with a lesser team, they're still going to win some games. They're going to find some games to win. And... They're going to hang with some teams that they probably shouldn't beat either. So I, I don't know if you can say that they're an NCAA tournament team, but at least for me, there's a little bit of hope there that maybe if they just turn it on at the right times, they have a chance of making the NCAA tournament. A month, two months ago, I wouldn't have said that. Kansas State, they, they've struggled a lot this year, and they're 9-1. The record will not show that. They've had a few games that have been – you know, start to finish victories, but the Cal game could have went the other way. Both the, the the semifinal game and the final game in the Cayman Islands, those could have easily been losses. Butler was obviously ugly, and you guys were down in Arlington, but that Wichita State game was was bad. Yeah, it was. Ugly. And 
Wichita State was up for 35, yeah. 36 minutes of that game before K-State really kicked it up and got over the hump. Abilene Christian, K-State was down by what, 12, 13 points in that game? So they're 9-1. I think that record really is misleading. K-State's more of like a 7-3 and three team at this point in the season. But we all knew there was going to be growing pains. This is a young team and the best players, Naquan Tomlin. You know, he's only been playing basketball for a few years. Johnson, we all know the story with him. You know, and they're learning a new system, a new coaching staff, Marquise Noel and Jerome Tang. If you kind of read between the lines, they're still getting on the same page as we're in the middle of December. You know, they're learning each other and learning how to win with each other. So this the ceiling is, you know, gonna get higher and higher as the season goes on. And you gotta remember Ish Masood, Abayami, they've both been out, or Bebe, they've both been out. So they're only gonna get better, but right now this is kind of where I expected them to be. You know, they're gonna get better, but this the schedule really has been easy. And if K State had a, a more tougher schedule, they'd be maybe a five hundred team, if we're being quite honest. Because that one game that they wanted to schedule, which was the Cal game, Cal's terrible, but at least they got away from home. If this is the schedule that Tang wants, which is tougher competition, they're gonna be closer to five hundred than they are, you know, nine ninety percent wins. Yeah. I'm Again, I, this was the topic of the daily delivery. Where does this schedule – and look, this is a schedule they inherited with the exception of the Cal game. I'm not bashing on the coaching staff if that's what you're hearing when I say this. Does this schedule prepare this team for the Big 12? And I fear it doesn't because I think everyone – the best teams on K-State schedule would be below 7 or 8 in the mm-hmm. Big 12 right now. And I still think that some of those teams, TCU is better than. Even though TCU's had issues, talent-wise, they're better. In fairness to these guys, the fact that they have found a way to win, if you want I know I, I hate doing this. I hate comparing it to teams past. But that's kind of what we're that's kind of what we do, right? We compare it to last year's team to the previous year's team because that's pretty much all we have to base on. And I don't think that the past year's teams win those games that you mentioned, Ryan. I mean, this team has so much more talent, so much more talent. And those other teams found ways, as you said, Zach, to make it competitive. So, I mean, my expectations are, again, you can stay at this level throughout conference play. I, I, I truly believe that, and they're only going to get better. And that's kind of where this next question leads us um, is from Gomer Cat. Uh, Keontae Johnson reminds me of Michael Beasley, both in his calm demeanor and apparent effortless athleticism. What are your thoughts? That's an interesting comparison. Certainly different types of players. Is Johnson not SpongeBob? That's a good question we should ask him. That's and an Skittles. And Skittles. And jokes. I see that uh, the, now that he says that because he has this kind of casual demeanor that doesn't indicate that he's playing as hard as he is. And Mike always played hard, but he just made it look as easy. And Keontae does that too. Um, there was a kind of a loose ball play against uh, Incarnate Word. Or what I like to say, incarnate, my word, you're awful. Um, where the loose ball just kind of ended up in Keontae's hands along the baseline. And he just kind of tossed up a 12, 15-footer and just nothing but net. You know, just like, okay, I'll just throw this up here. So I, I see that. You know, so other guys are casual and are casual. But I don't think Keontae's that way. I don't think Michael's that way. And they are, you know, Keontae's a wing and Michael was a, you know, power forward that could step out to three. Um, let me ask you this. Did Michael play down to competition? Because that's a genuine question. When his mm. beginning part of his career at K-State, when they were playing non-conference schedules, when they were playing the incarnate words, did he did he score 30 points? Yeah. Or was yeah. He, he, he was always double, dominant? Double. Yeah. Yeah. He was always dominant. Yeah, he I double, think he double. had one bad game, like against Cincinnati or something. That was it. Yeah. I think the difference between a guy like Mike and a guy like Keontae, besides the fact that they haven't played for two years, like Keontae hasn't played competitive basketball for two years, take that out of it. I really think that Keontae turns it up a notch when they go up against higher competition. It kind of just kind of is that ho-hum against the Radfords of the world, right, against the Incarnate Wards. Do you know that Keontae Johnson averages 27 points a game against Power 5 competition, which would be the highest amongst um, any player in the country? So, and you know what? I don't think that necessarily means you're playing down to the lesser competition. I think you're playing up. The, exactly. Yeah, I think you're. Um, you you kind of get lifted up by the competition, and Mike did do that. He was he was at his best when he was going up against 
you know, Blake Griffith or, or Kevin Durant. Griff, Blake Griffith? Griffith? I don't know, man. I'm so tired. I'm just... We've got to remember, though, Johnson's not 100%. Right. And Tang mentioned after the word game that he's 80 or Johnson, I think Johnson yeah. mentioned he said he was 85. He said he's like 85. So he's only going to go up and get better. But part of that is coaching, you know, hey, incarnate word, I think we're going to beat these guys. Johnson, let's give you 20, 25 minutes. Call it good. We don't want to, you know, use use you more than we have to. Right. True. So and also going back to the point earlier, you know, they're nine and one right now. How much can you learn from a win? Right. When you lose, there's a real sense of urgency. Yeah, we've got to get better and make some adjustments. But K-State struggled in those wins they've had this season. But if you're Tang, how do you really relay that message to your team that say, hey, we need to do this better? But, you know, if you're winning, do I really need to change? So that's that's another reason why I think K-State, a harder schedule would benefit them because they would really take more away from from the losses because it's hard to it's hard to really want to get better after a win. I don't know. I just think if you're down by Abilene, if you're down 14 points to Abilene Christian, there's a real want to get better. Yeah. I mean, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get that. But I mean, as an athlete and as a competitor, if you look at who you're playing and you say, Oh, we're playing Wichita state. We only beat them by five points. We go to, we play in the big 12. That ain't going to work. I mean, there's still things to take away from that. Now, if you're just playing a bunch of Nevadas and LSUs, I get what you're saying, Ryan, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think that um, as far as Keontae goes, I think I've said this from the beginning. I I truly believe he's going to be first team all big 12. I mean, you look at the talent that this kid has, he's open from the corner, automatic mid range jump shot. Automatic. I mean, it's just he can get a bucket whenever you need one. That's something in case it hasn't had in a long time. It's going to help him a lot. Mm-hmm. He's effortlessly good. And I think that that's the easiest comparison to make to Michael Beasley. But the other comparison is you only get him for a year. This is what you get. And this is what you know you are going to get out of Keontae. And you know that's what you had with Michael Beasley. So when you compare, hey, one-year players that made the biggest impact on their team, I think that it's really easy to make that comparison between the two guys. I also think Keontae can put this team on his back and take him to the NCAA like Mike did. Yeah, I would agree with that. Keontae has better talent on this team as a whole than I think Mike had with him, with the exception of of Beasley. Would you agree? (laughs) Mm. To your point, Poland, you had (laughs) who else? To your point, Cole, Marquise Noel, Naquan Tomlin, somebody else has to step up because I don't think K-State's faced any really stiff defenders like they're going to have in the Big 12. And And they're going to match up issues. Yeah, they're going to lock down Johnson, which is going to have to open the door for somebody else to step up. Well, go back to the LSU game, and LSU's not very good, but they were big, and it gave K-State problems. I mean, David Gasson is going to be a matchup issue on both ends of the floor, good and bad. Mm -hmm. He just simply won't be able to handle a true post backing him down. They're going to have to get very creative in how they collapse around that. That might open them up to other issues. But, yeah, there's there's some issues. They'll be exposed on this team. Uh, but I feel like this coaching staff isn't going to go, you know, for weeks on end without addressing things. No. If they can't run a zone offense, they'll fix it. Yeah. I've just got a lot of confidence in these guys. Yeah, I don't think they accept losing. I really don't. And the coaches are aware that, hey, something's going wrong. We have to step up and make Mm -hmm. changes. It's not just on these players. Uh, The next question comes from Eric Schneid, kind of what we were talking about earlier. How would you suggest Tang and company build the non-conference schedule moving forward? That's a really interesting question. Something I mentioned as we gathered here that I really wouldn't mind seeing some of these games that, honestly, people aren't going to attend. Like the Radford game, mm-hmm. um, and why their nickname isn't the Radishes, I don't know. I think it'd be great. Uh, play it in Salina, play it in Topeka. You know, go go some other places. But I understand the impact that has on selling season tickets. I mean, you're selling ten thousand tickets or whatever it is for the Radford game, and five thousand will show up. But um, I know he wants more home and homes. Um, Every, a lot of coaches say that, and none of them really act on it. I know Jerome Tang does. They're going to have issues getting teams to come to Manhattan. That's a simple truth because um, of two reasons. One, winning at K-State doesn't get you the kind of pub it does if you win at certainly Kansas, but even like a Texas or, or um, other programs like that for whatever reason, just the national publicity. But also the coaches out there in the world know that when it's a big game, 
It's one of the harder venues to play in. So there's a lot of risk and little reward by doing it. Uh, and that's why you see some games in Kansas City, folks. It's just why. But uh, I like the Wichita State Series, what they're doing, moving it around. I, I wish they'd maybe perpetuate this Nebraska Series. Thank you, Daphne agrees. Um, <laughs> play some in Omaha. You know, play it in Wichita. Play it in Manhattan and Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, them play Missouri, particularly if we can get the football coach to coach the basketball team. I feel confident in that victory. Um, I, I think they should be playing Creighton. I think they should be playing more teams that have a regional interest around here. We, I like the series with Tulsa. Didn't work out great for K-State, but that's exactly the type of game because you've got fans in Oklahoma that could go to a game in Tulsa. You mentioned these regional games, fits. I asked Tang about that after the Wichita State game because it was a fun environment. You know, Wichita State's a very respectable school. His answer, it seemed like he's into scheduling teams that are good. It doesn't matter if you're local or not. If you're a local team and you're not that good and it's not going to help out their resume, I don't know how much interest he had. Yeah, I I agree. I would love to see it. But if Wichita State, Nebraska, Creighton isn't good, their RPI, Ken Palm, whatever, doesn't back that up, I don't know how often that gets scheduled. I I, I agree with that. Creighton certainly would address that. I don't think Wichita State on on your typical year is going to hurt you in that area. Um, But, yeah, I mean, going to Colorado, I don't know if that really helps you. But, uh, you know, if you want to be more inclusive with fans and try to get more fans engaged playing around the region where there's pockets of a Big 12 now, didn't you say somebody talked about some something in the Dallas area? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, after so he's looking. They were, I mean, I don't know if this was tongue in cheek. He said after his press conference was over that, well, let's try and play on a Friday in the Dallas area before the Big Twelve championship game. So since that's gonna apparently be a scheduled thing, right? Is what he said. I, I would really <laughs> like to see. It's not a bad idea. Though. The Big it's Twelve. Kickoff, kickoff, well, kickoff football, um, but tip off basketball in the same way by having events. I mean, I would love to see the Big 12 have four football games on in the zero week in Dallas and Orlando and, you know, Kansas City maybe. And I don't even know. L.A. It depends on who you add. Vegas. That was God talking. Did someone say that or did I just hear that in my head? I think you just heard it in your head. Huh. Um, and, um, but they could do the same with basketball. They could do double headers. You know, if you're a 12 team conference, you could have six double headers around, um, you know, with, with conference games to tip things off. I think that'd be cool. Replace that with your midseason SEC challenge. Yeah, since that's going away, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's talk maybe they do it with the Big Ten now because that's who got they got left out too. Um, I think I don't yes. know if they cancel that one. That's correct. Okay, yeah, I think they should be doing it with the Big Ten. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's what Fox will want. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm all for that. I I don't like these. I like it on the weekends where they play the entire SEC Big Twelve Challenge. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. And now I think you can do it over the three days, you know, have some Friday, some Saturday, and a couple left over on Sunday. But um, I think those kind of events are really good. But they're just going to have to weed out some of this nonsense. I, I mean, this yeah. schedule is just trash. I think, first of all, sorry, Zach, but the first Jeez. thing I would do um, if, if you gave me in charge of the schedule is schedule a home and home with Illinois. You'd do it. I mean, that, that's going to – exactly. I mean, if you want to schedule a home and home, you Who's call he? up Brad – Brad, Brad Underwood. But Tang do it. Yes. Yeah, to get that. that Again, that gets to what you were just talking about with the RPI. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And again, and I'm with you guys, but the way make a way to where you don't play two crappy teams in a week. Play an okay team and a crappy team, and then play a good team and a crappy team, or a good team and an okay team. Like You don't need to be playing Abilene Christian and Incarnate Ward in back-to-back. Back-to-back. Right. You just don't need to do it. I don't buy the idea that it's hard to get teams to play in Manhattan. If you schedule a home and a home, and home, I don't think you can look at the NCAA bracket, look at a top six seed and say, none of them are going to come play us in Manhattan if we don't go there and make a deal where it's one for one. I think that you can probably play most of those schools because K-State plays in the Big 12, the toughest conference in the country, and teams in the top six, the, the, a top six seed team in the NCAA tournament, they're going to want to be in the NCAA tournament the next year and beating K-State or even losing to K-State is going to help their resume. 
So I, I don't buy that it's hard to get teams to play at K-State. It, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You it's can, the exact same as the recruiting. Push. Right. It's the same thing as the recruiting. If you want to play somebody, go out there, make a deal, one for one. You can make it happen. K-State can play Gonzaga. K-State can play North Carolina. They can make this happen if they want to make it happen. But the previous regime did not want to make that happen, and that is why the schedule is the way that it is. And that's the scheduling philosophy, the way it's been for forever. And it it wasn't just Bruce Weber. I'll give Frank Martin a pass because he scheduled good teams to come to Manhattan. But you look back to... You know, the Woldridge days, the Asbury days. No, nothing. no, nothing. The non-conference games are exactly what Bramlage looks like today, back then. Okay, Empty, concrete-filled, nobody in the seats. Horrible. Let's look at this non-conference schedule because I've got this all right here. I just did that daily delivery on it, but let's boil this down more and kind of put this into context. A head coach schedules X amount of non-conference games. You don't schedule... Um, your challenge series. So Florida and Butler from the Big East and and SEC were put on the schedule. Um, And it broke up, you know, one home, one away. You don't pick, although you do pick your tournament, you don't pick the teams in that tournament. And I'm convinced they picked this tournament because... There was nobody going to be in it. it. Yeah, it was Rhode Island, Nevada, and LSU. And LSU was the only other Power Five. And they didn't schedule Cal. That was by the staff. So let's... Let's read now who was scheduled by the previous staff. Uh, Texas, Rio Grande Valley, um, Missouri, Kansas City. I'm I'm sorry. You're, you're UMKC. You're not the Ruse. And now they're the Ruse. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Wichita State, which I wanted. Abilene Christian, Incarnate Word, Radford, and Nebraska in between there. That's, come on, man. That's terrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. And particularly with, when they scheduled Nebraska, they were trash. Wichita State was actually good when that got scheduled. So I, I don't know. Um, it won't be like this, but I do think they need to be creative about where they're scheduling these games, and I think Zach's right. The last game before the holidays should be the one in Kansas City so your players can get on a plane and go home. That's been an emphasis of Jerome Tang to send his players home for Christmas. It's deeply important to him on many levels, and that's just a good way to do it. And, you know, get them out of town. When there's no students around, and you'll get a good crowd. I mean, there's probably, if you play that game on, I'm just throwing out a date, I don't know, like 22nd of December, there'll be a lot of families that might gather early because there's a K-State game at T-Mobile. Sprint Center. I know. Sprint Center. Sprint if we're going to call UM, if we're going to call Kansas City UMKC, we've got to have the T-Mobile Center always be called Sprint Center. Okay. Also, that place is going to be packed on Saturday, by the way. The tickets, they're like 60 bucks. The cheapest ticket to get in is like sixty right. bucks. I so. see. On sounds like right here. It sounds like to me what? that it's going to be Fake quite news. empty. If they're selling sixty dollars tickets and they're still available, they're upper deck. Twenty eight dollars yeah. on ESPN. Right? Yeah. Well, that doesn't include the fees. Uh, it's a lot of fees. No, fees. Gills is right. That's the secondary. Does market. Taylor Swift get some of those fees? I don't know. <laughs> I just think there'll be a good amount of people there. There will be. There will be. be a good amount. There'll be empty seats though. Yeah. I, I'm all in on when the students are gone. Play in Kansas City, play in Wichita. Every year. Not rotating. Every year. Uh, just do it because don't play don't play incarnate word during finals or whatever it was last week. I don't even know. Yeah. And have a crappy audience. Go schedule a halfway. That's where you schedule a Tulsa and put them in Wichita. Their fans can come up, you know, even like North Texas, I don't know, play someone a little bit better that brings something to the table. Daphne agrees. Daphne's fired up about this. Playing in the Big 12, you have your Saturday game, and then you play Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And so that's a gauntlet. It's brutal. And it's a, what, nine-week-long you know, saga that you have to go through. Mm-hmm. Playing Incarnate Word and Abilene Christian does not at all get you prepared. So no. like Cole said, you can't get you know Power 5 teams for every single game, but Get one tough game a week and then have, you know, your whatever game for the other game. You need those games to just kind of get your feet under you. You need you do, some, yeah. But this is too many. Mm-hmm. You need to see what Dorian Finister can do, right? And kid right. like that. Yeah. yeah. What did Saturday's game or Sunday's game do for Finister's confidence? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's going to pay dividends moving forward. It did 
wonders for my confidence in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah. I think it really impacts the play. But Finister, to reference Tang, he's looked like deer in the headlights out there against, I think, Butler, Wichita State, whoever he played against. You need to get comfortable in some of these games or where you can really, you know, get your, your feet under you on the court. Was Dorian, did Dorian run into the side of my car? Because there was something, I assumed it was a deer in headlights, just like did a suicide mission and ran right into the side of my car. I got to get it fixed now. What happened to your car? Is it okay? It's okay. I, it scared me. Um, so this happened on a Sunday night going to the drive. I, was on, I wasn't on the highway. I was on the little access road, the little road leading to the studio. I never saw the deer. Just wham, just ran right into the side of my car. Did you see Daphne? I'm sorry, Daphne. I'm is that one of your people? Um, well, you went wham, Daphne. was like, whoa. Um, but, yeah, I've got the the <laughs> side panel, like, behind the front wheel on the passenger side. It's dented in. So when I opened the door to put something in my car on the passenger side, it didn't open right. Mm. It kind of caught. Well, but Dang it, Dorian. No, that wasn't Dorian. Dorian didn't do it. I'm Dorian sorry. I, I'm sorry. Dorian the deer. That's kind of funny. Okay. Daphne, you done barking? Okay. Onward. The last question of the podcast comes from our good friend, Jerome Yang. Switching it up here and and closing the podcast on a a good note. Uh, Did the college football playoff committee get it right with the final four? Between that and the upcoming extended playoff, has your faith in college football been restored? I think they got it right. Um, Just because I I don't know who you put in the four spot. I mean, I can see all the arguments. This was as dry and cut as it's been. We talked about this coming home. Yeah, they got it right. Yeah. Easy. I'm glad because teams were not punished for losing a championship game. Well, yes, he was. Yeah. Well, they had one loss already. Yeah. It's not like that knocked it out. Yeah. Yeah. What would have been interesting, this, I don't even think we talked about this in the car, but what would have been really interesting is if USC would have won. Because there could be an argument that TCU could should still have been in the playoff with that loss to K State. Yeah, I think. Oh, I think, TCU was. I think TCU was absolutely guaranteed. Yeah, with the way that game went down, that you don't eliminate a team on that one loss. K State has to win by what thirty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in well, that scenario, I, yeah, like, yeah, and maybe even more than that, but. The way it shaped out was perfect. Isn't it amazing how we were talking about the destruction of college athletics in the summertime, and now it's just completely flipped to a 180 with the expanded playoff, with realignment kind of coming to a we can visualize where it's going. Oh, sure. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it, it really felt like we were destined for a super conference in the uh, American Champions League, right? I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about in the summertime, and, and I, now I think- we feel more better about that, I think ESPN and Fox still have that dream, but I think it's become very clear to them that that won't work. I think the more they got closer to it, they realized this probably won't work, and that's why the Big 12 ended up with a good contract. I mean, they realized we need more stuff, and if we exclude a large number of college fans from from being interested, then they're not going to be interested. In other words, logic ruled. I think NIL also plays a big deal in this because, like, guy who I'll bring up, for example, is, and I'm going to butcher his name. I believe it's Keon Boudet. Is it Blake Griffith? Not Blake Griffith. Is it the coldest? It is not the coldest Crawford. That is a great name, though. Uh, the receiver from LSU, who was projected to be a first-round draft pick, he comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, there's multiple guys who have been projected first-round draft picks that have decided to come back because of NIL deals. Well, if you're a company like ESPN, like Fox, you want to market around your stars, just wait because there will be a quarterback not saying Caleb Williams is going to do it, but I could see a guy like Arch Manning, like uh, maybe, or That's like a guy like C.J. Stroud, who when it comes to that point in time, I'm going to come back for my senior season. I have unfinished business. I want to win the Heisman. I want to win a national championship game. And there's going to be donors that make that happen. So I think we might see some guys in with the, today's day of NIL stay in college for that extra year because they can understand that. They want to play college ball one more year. They want to be at the top of their game, and they still can make a lot of money. So, yeah, I have total faith in college athletics. Hmm. Answer Jerome Yang's question. I will. I still think the Pac-12 is going to collapse. I do House too. of Cards. I, just, I do too. I, they haven't gotten a new TV deal. Brett Yormark still just 
is keeps spouting off. If Brett Yormark <laughs> felt like they were going to get a good TV deal, he wouldn't be saying the stuff. He I he knows damn well what's going on with that. The fact that the Pac-12 has neither signed a new deal nor added schools tells me there's something tragically going wrong. As much as they don't want to admit it, it's going to go bad. Well, they're still fighting for USC and UCLA. Oh, this whole UCLA thing is pathetic. Could you imagine Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 basically saying, no, don't leave. Trying to sue Oklahoma State, trying to sue to make them share the money. And yeah. Cal, Cal, you're pathetic. What happened? Just pathetic. <laughs> he got banned? Not anymore. He's yeah, back. He's back. Oh, oh good. Uh, Why did they ban him? I don't know. I don't know. Something we probably shouldn't dive into on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's all. We we send a shout out to Blake Griffin. Griffith? No, it's Griffin. I don't know where you got Griffith from. Right, Gilbert the Cheese. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Powercat.com.